No applause? Oh, no. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I always love this stuff when it doesn't work, right? So, folks, you know what this means. It's 4 p.m. Pacific. This must be Pillars of Franchising. Central. Central. 4 p.m. Central. 4 p.m. Central. So, (laughs) it is what it is. I don't know. All I know is the fireworks you hear in the background or those that have been complaining that it is, in fact, thunder. It's our second anniversary, second year anniversary show of, ooh, got to get that next one up. Ooh, see, see, that sounded like a distant firework, didn't it? But this is. And I'm Fred McMurray. Welcome to the second anniversary of Pillars of Franchising with I and my co-host, Ray Pillar. Today, we've got a very special co-host, the um, the well-renowned and, and, and multi-traveled Kristen Hello. of Bloomingdale. No, I'm not going to say a last name because we know I'll screw it up. <laughs> Even when I asked my partner earlier today. Don't Yeah, that's what she said, but I'm bound to say um, who was our very, very first uh, emergency co-host. She didn't even realize it when she got on the show until it's like, no, Ray's not around. He's, he's late. So she's our, our very special co-host. And Kristen, who's our guest today in this madness of the second anniversary? Our guest today is Noni. Thing. I hope I had said that right. We didn't talk about that part. <laughs> That's correct, Kristen. Excellent. Welcome to the show. Simone is with Scum for Kids. Welcome for the show. (laughs) Thank you so much. It is is an honor to be here for your second year anniversary. Congratulations to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, It's it's been a fun show. We, we, We like to have a little fun along the way. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Or if you prefer... This is the coolest thing I have ever seen. So yes, our second anniversary. It is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Welcome, ma'am. Welcome for... Kudos to you for being brave enough to come on the show. <laughs> well, thank you. Grace, why don't you introduce our guest? Give us, um, give us a bit of a bio. I'm who? <laughs> who are you talking about? My name has already been introduced, and she is the CEO and founder of STEM for Kids. Wow, what an exciting exciting franchise that has to be really <laughs> you know i couldn't i can't think of anything better than that as a franchise so can you tell us a little bit about it sure <laughs> sure Ray. Uh, i'm trying to think about where to begin so let me let me first kind of go back into um how things started and what stem for kids is all about 
Um, so STEM for Kids, first of all, is all about making the wonders of science and engineering exciting for young children. And, you know, it's, uh, I used to be in my own professional career. I used to be, you know, living the world of STEM. Uh, I started off as an engineer and then moved on to do different things. Um, and, you know, uh, lo and behold, here I am. I never imagined I would ever be in the space of education. But, you know, we are creating wonderful adventures for young children as they're delving into um, computer coding, robotics, and engineering teams. Um, and we're talking little children, you know, like um, ages 4 to 14, elementary, middle school level sets. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we basically help them, you know, make learn how to make computer games instead of just playing games, make computer games, yeah. play with them, have your friends play with it. Um, they are, you know, learning about uh, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, they're learning about aerospace engineering, how things go up in the sky. So, um, biomedical, you know, how do uh, our human body works and how people are figuring out making synthetic uh, limbs. So, it's just Super exciting, uh, you know, getting young children into thinking about some of these exciting topics. So you said young children, what age does the franchise uh, get involved with? Uh, yeah, so we work with ages uh, 4 to 14. So that's pre-K, uh, but mostly elementary and middle school level. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a grandson who's three and a half, and that means that I could sign up with one of the, uh, the uh, STEM, uh, STEM for Kids classes, is that correct? In about six months, yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's yeah, by age four, they'll be, he'll be ready to go. <laughs> so that tells us a little bit about, you know, uh, the, the actual franchise. But what about how, how does one get involved in opening up uh, one of these classrooms? Uh huh. Um, uh, you know, basically, uh, what we find is that uh, people, most of the time, parents, right? Parents who have young children, and um, they are looking to make a change in their career. Uh, we see a lot of people who are in that in that stage in their life. Uh, you know, they've worked, and now they're feeling like I need to have some more time, maybe spend some more time with our kids, or have better control, create a legacy, uh, make an impacting change. Any of those things, people start thinking about making a change. And we are seeing um, a lot of people, um, many of them parents themselves, and they're trying to find enriching programs for their kids. And they say, you know, let, let me do something uh, broader about that. So, yeah, I mean, if, you know, people are interested in um, becoming a part of it, they can become a franchisee. Um, we're also seeing um, even um, uh, businesses who are already in the area of serving children. You know, you could be uh, running, uh, operating um, uh, an art club or a music club, uh, a daycare center. And we are seeing a lot of interest from, uh, from these people in terms of diversifying revenue, right? Because STEM is so much in demand and uh, there are parents, the educators, um, you, you know, you look in the education space, people are talking about how do we get um, the children to look into these possibilities uh, while they are still little. Oh. And it, yeah, I mean, I think it's open in various markets, actually, all throughout the U.S. and even internationally. And uh, Kristen has uh, children that would uh, are all of that age. Is that correct, Kristen? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, my oldest just turned 15, but we um, started with STEM in our schools about four or five years ago now. Mm -hmm. And so I could certainly see um, 
not only would this, I, I guess my question and my thought would be that this is probably a nice supplement to what the schools are doing, um, and or is it more of, or maybe both, something that you would want to see more in districts that maybe STEM is not available in the public schools? Is it kind of a little bit of both, Moni? Yeah, absolutely. It is both. Uh, we are seeing uh, many schools and districts who are, um, uh, you know, doing things to get uh, more STEM into their school systems. And some of them are going down the pathway of let's do it ourselves. Um, some of them mm -hmm. are uh, saying, you know, let's uh, bring experts in uh, to, you know, bring the programming in for the students. And some, some schools and school districts are doing both because the, the fact of the matter is that uh, the, the STEM world is evolving so fast. I mean, if you just think about technology, how they've changed in the last 10 years, right? I mean, we started with, uh, I think 10 years ago, we still had uh, Blackberries in our hand, if I'm not wrong. And now we have all these bleak smartphones, right? Things have changed so much. And um, what typically happens is that um, if you try to burden the educators, the teachers, to go figure out all the change that's happening, it is another layer of complexity on top of all the other things that teachers are already doing. So yeah. many times schools and school districts say, okay, let's find you know, what's out there and bring those programming in. So uh, we do see a combination. Uh, we are working with uh, schools and districts who are already doing something since then. We are also doing with completely greenfield you know, school, school districts where they don't have anything and they're trying to make some um, entry into the world of STEM. So, it's a combination, and um, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, it, it's really the, the fact that it's the STEM skills are so broad and they apply in so many different occupations, it's not necessarily just STEM occupations, even non-STEM. And uh, the schools and the system realizing that, and I think it's, just, it's so important that that realization is happening and people are taking actions, you know, towards, towards that end. I think it's awesome. I know that we had a big um, push in our schools um, in the summer. Most of the kids will will go to STEM camp, and they have some very special STEM camps for girls because they want to make sure that the young girls are really understanding that you know English isn't like for me. English was always my thing, right? Math wasn't really for me. Well, now you have more and more girls who are becoming interested in um, math science, technology, engineering, and I think that's awesome. I think it's also probably very important that um, as everyone focuses more on STEM for the children today, we need to be more of a leader in the world when it comes to those fields. And I think that we've really lacked that in the last few, um, probably decades. Um, so I think it's great timing for a program like yours to come on as a franchise. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, um, and I tell people it's a couple of decades ago when I was in engineering school, and I was, you know, one of, um, one of three girls in a class of 120, um, statistics like that, and I'm surprised that even to this date, we still see similar statistics when it comes to engineering school. But, I, you know, uh, here's something very interesting. Back in those days when I was deciding, you know, what field of engineering to go into, and there were people, um, and I, well, I grew up in India, so it's a little bit of a contextual shift, right? You don't imagine having air conditioning, at least not at that point in time. So people are saying, go for computer science, because if you are in a computer science field, you are definitely going to be in air conditioned rooms. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my strategy. I, 
that. Yeah, that's great. So, so I got it. You know, that was part of my decision making process. Well, I, you know, fast forward, even today, I mean, computer science is such a wonderful career choice, especially for girls, because, you know, it is not as um, labor intensive, if I can say it that way, some of the other engineering fields. But we do see, uh, again, and overall, in uh, many engineering fields, uh, women are making strides. And I think we need to find a way to encourage more and more girls because it is just uh, the, the whole aspect of creating something. And uh, I know girls do really well with that. And being able to see that kind of take shape in front of your eyes, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we are seeing a lot of schools and you know organizations taking those initiatives and encouraging more and more girls into these programs. That's so, awesome. I know you uh, said you were in India when you came to this conclusion, but I got to tell you, I was living in Indiana in the middle of a cornfield, and I came to the same conclusion of it was better doing computer stuff because at least you were. Even if you had to be punching away at a keyboard, you were still better off in an air-conditioned room. So, <laughs> India, Indiana, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to ask a question, though. The, the acronym of STEM is relatively new, uh, but I think all the elements always of, of STEM has been taught in, in schools for a long time. How did this whole thing come about where we're trying to, you know, kind of bring it all together? Yeah, uh, very, uh, very good question. And um, let me actually do like a very quick history tutorial <laughs> on this one. Yeah. So, you know, if I look at this whole space of education enrichment, um, you know, back, I think a couple of decades ago, so this is when I was probably coming out of my college, uh, we, had, we had one player up from North um, Canada uh, who... I believe that they began the space really focusing more on sciences and chemistry. Um, and then what we saw is towards the uh, turn of the century, it's about 2000, we saw a lot of those robotics players coming into the market. Um, and, you know, uh, all this education space is all about, hey, let's make Lego and put pieces together and make robots out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end of that decade, so about 20, 2009, 10 is where we started seeing the STEM movement taking place. But people said, you know, there's more to science than just like robotics and uh, chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was more of an emphasis around, okay, let's talk about physics and creating some other things using, you know, mechanical and all these other topics. Um, we were seeing a lot of uh, interest coming from academia and they're saying, you know, let's not, when we think about uh, these STEM topics, it's not just uh, robotics because that's what many players were trying to sound like. Um, and so that's when this whole stem, which was all about, let's bring these pieces together. There are different components, right? There's sciences, technology, engineering, mathematics. And over time, we have seen many different acronyms come into play as well. People say, let's add, you know, add arts in there. Some still add research. I mean, you can add different components. The bottom line is that it all needs to come together. These are not silos, right? They are all mismatched together. And to show those, those disciplines to children in that connected fashion, that's the most important element. Um, so when, when we began in 2011, um, we actually, so we have the STEM for Kids as trademark. And so we actually began, um, and we said, okay, you know, we need to bring it all together because it's not just about learning a little bit hidden robotics or doing a little bit chemistry, learning biology. It's about bringing it all together for children. Um, so we started doing that. And, um, um, and 
thankfully, fortunately, I mean, we have been uh, the trailblazers in this industry. You know, when people were um, not even thinking about computer science for young children, we were the first ones to start offering computer sciences for elementary age children. Um, when people, you know, people are not thinking about biomedicals, you know, how the field of uh, biomedicine is coming together, we were the first ones to announce biomedical engineering programs. Um, so we have been trailblazers in this industry, and I, that, there's a reason for that because. The market is changing. You know what was relevant ten years ago is not so anymore. Um, and then um, there's also this, this aspect of. You know, and let me just take a simple example. You know, it's like uh, many, as I said, many players in the market they they make uh, at least uh, parents and the children they they make them believe that at least try to that okay if you do this little tiny piece you are doing STEM. You know, so it's like if you do robotics you're doing STEM, or if you do coding you're doing STEM. But I think that really it's, it's almost as absurd as saying that, you know, if you know how to act, you know mathematics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is, there's so much, so much happening in the world of STEM. So we said, you know, our approach was let's show that diversity, that breadth of what's available. Because when we work with the young children at that age group, Parents don't know uh, what their children would have interest in. The child definitely doesn't know anything. And the focus becomes, let's show them all these different elements. And for me, when I was beginning this, um, uh, I, have, I had my own young children at that point. They were like five or six years old. And we were, you know, as any other parent, we were putting them into swimming classes, karate, soccer. And I'm like, okay, why can't I find something to do these other things, right? And there was nothing, and that's how I got started. But I think that's the whole point, right? Um, let's give them opportunities so they can explore. You know, here's something on here's something on inside our human body. Here's something about aerospace. So that's what we've done. Uh, long answer to your question, but you know, overall, that has been the focus, and that's what we see happening in the industry. That it's parents, educators demanding that okay, let's let's look at the holistic picture and present that to the children. Wow. That is really cool, especially especially at that age, I think, because, well, I was fortunate enough to go to a vocational high school, which meant that I had a smattering of, of different types of, of, you know, from automotive mechanics to body shop and electronics and woodworking and union welding and all kinds of things like that. So that was further on, though, that was in high school, but actually getting these children involved in STEM at a much earlier age, I think is going to guide them much better to where they feel that their attributes are. I think it also changes the way they think, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was at a parent-teacher conferences today with my son, and he was taking me through some of their um, highlights in math and then even through language arts and his thought process and the way he goes about solving problems were things that when I was his age, I had no idea. Could, could not have done what they're doing today. And I think a lot of it with STEM um, and other things within the school system is really putting our kids at a big advantage, certainly from where I was when I was in elementary and middle school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is, it is actually a very big shift, again, because of the way the world has evolved, right? In the past, when we were in schools, we were focused more on let's give the content learning to kids, right? right. The concept. Here's the concept. Here's what you do. But in today's world, you can Google anything. I mean, you don't have to be in a classroom setting to learn something, right? right. So it's not so much about concepts. It's about how do you bring it together? What do you do? How do you think? I mean, those are the other skill sets which are becoming so important. 
And um, and I think that's what um, you know. It's uh, uh, taking content and making it more. You know, you, you think about these words like metacognition, right? Thinking about thinking, the critical thinking. I think mm-hmm. all those elements really are becoming a lot more important. And that's why you know um, something like what we do at STEM for Kids is. Um, it's, it's, there is content, but around with that is all these the softer skills, you know, the communication, the collaboration, thinking, and all focus shifting. So, um, so yeah, I think if those things become more relevant and more uh, important as we think about education going forward. So actually, let's time how everything is interrelated. Everything, you know, before that you have to be a physicist. Uh oh, I'm getting a. Of this, Stop. Which means time for a break. No, not not quite oh. yet. But so one of our our watchers on Facebook said this is a great topic. We need to make learning STEM more relatable and fun for kids. Um, yeah. How do you make it more fun? I always thought you should be educational and entertaining because everyone fell asleep in a calculus class at least once. Um, edutainment. <laughs> edutainment. No, edutainment. <laughs> So, <laughs> entertaining and, and edu- we, we're edutaining. So I guess the, <laughs> trying to um, leverage off the comment from Carly, um, how do you make it uh, more relatable and more fun? Absolutely. Um, you know, so um, I'll, I'll begin by saying STEM for Kids began with a mission. The mission is making STEM fun and real. Two things, fun and real. Those mm-hmm. are the only two things that we do, and we do it really well. So how do you make it fun? Um, you know, if you think about fun, it comes down to how a child feels when they are um, engaging with whatever concept, whatever they're doing. It's that feeling, right? So for us, that comes down to let's make it very hands-on. Uh, so when the child is learning something, they are doing something. They are involved. Their, their hands are involved. They're doing something. Maybe they're experimenting. They are thinking about something. Maybe they're presenting. But always there's a do element involved in that. So um, very different from if you imagine a typical classroom, a teacher is giving a class and children are listening. Um, this is a very interactive, um, uh, with very less theory, right? So we are we are engaging children in um, in questioning, answering. They're involved. We are doing uh, there are quizzes sometimes. We are doing game shows. We are doing Jeopardy. We are doing. Um, making something that interesting challenges involved. Um, so, you know, just to give an idea, just to give an example, um, we may be t- talking about mechanical engineering. And that concept, we discussed things like laws of motion, and I don't want to go into all the details, but, um, you know, we, we, we may give them an engineering challenge and say, okay, uh, children, here we are giving you some materials um, and go make a star out of this. Uh, we don't tell them to do this, step A, B, C, make it like that. No, no, no. We are basically showing them it is a challenge. And, uh, and then the children start working in teams, and they are working out solutions. Uh, you know, they have been given a piece of paper. Okay, so what are the properties of this piece of paper? Can you fold them? Can you put them and maybe make a chassis out of that? Mm-hmm. You have been given a skewer. Uh, what are the properties of the skewer? Can it become maybe an axle for the car? So they are the ones doing that imagination, uh, creative thinking, and coming up with a solution. And I'll tell you this, a very simple exercise like that, and we've been doing it for eight years. That's only one of the numerous that we do. And even in those eight years, there, is, there are times when we come across a unique design because a child has dreamt up something totally different. 
So it's so incredible that number one, these children are very creative, and um, number two, when you put them and you give them a challenge, they're able to work up, create something. And when they're doing that, it's a lot of fun because they are involved, they're working together. Um, another example, you know, uh, they're making computer games. And I see this, Kristen, back to your point about girls. Um, I see girls making, um, you know, they're thinking about their games, um, like characters and placements, almost like a, like a movie. And they're thinking about what needs to go where. And I see them making buildings which have polka dot on them. There are purple flowers on the face. And then I go to a boy's creation, and I may see things like, you know, black, dark. <laughs> so, but it's, it's so, and they are involved. They are the ones creating and imagining and creating those solutions. So I, I think that should be, um, to keep it fun, they make it very, very hands-on. I hope I answered that question for you. Absolutely. That's, you know, and, and I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm a little bit jealous of kids today. I feel they have so much more of an uh, opportunity than we did, you know, because like I said, we had all the, not all of them, but many of the elements that are being taught today. But uh, if we were able to visualize how they are all interconnected and then have someone you know, coach us like you are coaching your students. That's fantastic. It really is. Well, I know for me, we learned, you know, we had science and we had math, but we didn't learn technology and I didn't go through any engineering. Those were things that you hit, like, like we talked about in high school or when you specialize it in college. And I think the great point that um, Moni has been making is that by engaging these kids when they're young, it gets them interested, it gets their creativity going, it gets them thinking about all these different things in different ways. And I could see it really making big differences. I love the idea that the girls, you know, make a wall and they use, you know, pink polka dots. My daughter took Legos and in Legos, she took all of her brother's Legos and she designed a complete shopping mall with a hair salon. And she had all these little pieces, it was crazy, but Oh, wow. Her brothers had no clue what the heck she was doing with their, you know, Lego police, and she transformed them into an entire shopping mall. So I think it's great to see, you know, we all know that boys and girls think differently. They, they are um, creative in different ways. And so it's very interesting to me. It makes me excited for your franchise. It makes me think, oh, my gosh, I really want to do that. I yeah. think myself back and realize you can't do it anymore. <laughs> but, um, it sounds like it's a ton of fun and I think you guys will be wildly successful at it. You you've stepped down from this president of the PTA. You could do this instead of that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I think uh, it's an important point for anybody even listening um, um, uh, to this uh, to this um, podcast. Um, you know, if you are a parent or, a, you know, a PTA member and you feel like this is something that can benefit your school, um, we do provide our services. But if we have a local operation, we can provide, you know, like an instructor and, and actually conduct classes. Um, but also, if we are not there physically, you know, close enough, we also provide um, uh, our curriculum and, um, you know, our, our professional development for the teachers and school, school districts. Many school districts are using that. So in any case, it's all about serving children and bringing some of these, you know, quality uh, programming. So yeah, I mean, if your listeners are, you know, interested in even, you know, finding and making some of these programs come into their schools, um, they can reach out to us. Um, we'll be glad to help out. All right. So on that note, 
we will start the commercial cycle and then we'll come back for round yeah. two. Um, I, I, I'm going to move to someplace warmer during the commercial. Go ahead. That's fine. Um, <laughs> we're going to, at this point, have to say goodbye to our Instagram uh, viewers. Um, but hopefully they've enjoyed this and we'll see you next week to those on Instagram. Um, want to thank the link local network for broadcasting our show. You can uh, read their community voices um, as they work to achieve work-life balance. Um, and actually they're, uh, I guess, working toward achieving work-life balances because of Kristen. Um, <laughs> It, you're kind of the ideological founder of, of this program. Anyways, uh, we've, we've added a, a couple of new shows uh, each week, including Community Voices Chat on Wednesday, every other Wednesday at, uh, I think it's 4 p.m. Pacific, although that time may change. Uh, and now, oh, linklocalnetwork.com. You can also dial in at 323-580-5755 or chat on as others are doing on a whole lot of places. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, put the call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Thanks, Michelle. And we're back. Um, and we've got a hat change there. We have a hat change there. You would have been, they would have been very happy with you pre-Super Bowl loss. Um, <laughs> I actually picked up a new subscriber on from our first Instagram um, post. So, hey, wow, I guess we'll keep broadcasting to Instagram. So, Moni, uh, I got to ask you, um, you're – as you've attracted uh, franchisees, where has their experiences come from? I know with Ray, he, he'll tell you he was a tech guy and never expected to be cleaning toilets. Um, <laughs> and Kristen was an HR woman who actually, you know, was cleaning up after others. <laughs> so. A different kind of trouble, but. Yeah. How would you do? Who's that? Um, experientially wise, who's that franchisee that you've been seeing that you've attracted? Okay. So um, let me make sure I understand the question. So you're talking about experiences of our franchisees, where they come yeah. from. Where are they coming yeah. from? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's varied. And, you know, um, just like, just like, I mean, for me as well, I never imagined I was going to be in education space. Um, 
we have uh, many people who have come from um, uh, like a, a STEM background. Some of them have come from a profession. They were in there and then they were looking for a better control, um, legacy patient from support. We also have people, uh, you know, marketeers, um, entrepreneurs. We also have um, uh, people in from restaurant side, um, real estate. So it's like a, it's a combination. We have, of course, homemakers also part of this. Uh, um, there are many times we see people take a kind of a, um, a backseat from their career and say, I'm going to spend some time with my kids. And this is, you know, kid-friendly business. <laughs> kids are welcome. So even, you know, people have been able to make that transition going back into, uh, you know, into a career by taking a business like this. So it has been a combination, Fred. Okay, so say- I was going to say over the next year, where would you like to see the majority or anywhere of your new franchisees come from? Um, either geographically, uh, one of our uh, co-hosts, uh, they want to also get to the uh, Southwest because, of course, they like to travel there. So they're trying to grow in the Southwest. <laughs> so where would you expect or, or like to have, I guess is the uh, question, your franchisees coming from? Academic, uh, educational background, non-educational background, geographic areas. Um, I, yeah, I think this is a case where uh, basically um, all, everyone is welcome. We are focusing geographically on some of the, um, you know, like um, more prominent states. I mean, in a, I wouldn't say more prominent. I would say states which are easier to work with. Let's put it that way, Not because you know about the registration and everything else that happens. Um, um, uh, other than that, even outside of U.S., um, other countries have been approaching us as well. So uh, we are open to business uh, across the board at this point in time, and that's the good thing that uh, we have many markets open. Um, so uh, your listeners, whatever geography you are in, please, I mean, if you're interested in opening up a franchise, uh, let's, let's talk, and, uh, you know, we can see if we can make that happen for you. Where, where are you at now? What's, what what uh, areas of the U.S. are you in, and what other countries? We are in um, fourteen states here in U.S. Oh, okay. um, and it is it is pretty spread out. I think we are uh, maybe more on the eastern coast at this point in time, but we are even in you know like Midwest. We are in Illinois. Uh, you know, West Coast actually. So I think we are in all the places represented on this call at least. Um, and then um, uh, we are in Canada, Mexico, uh, and then also in Middle East, um, in UAE and Saudi Arabia. So we are in a couple of different geographies right now. One of the things we didn't talk about, because Fred decided to just kind of skip right over that, is weather. So you are in North Carolina, is that correct? Uh. That's <laughs> I got overwhelmed by the I got overwhelmed by the second anniversary. I'm sorry. Can't hear you, Fred. You're talking into your chest. I said I got overwhelmed by it being the second anniversary, and and yeah, so we missed yeah, we no. missed pillars you know, of weather. One thing I wanted to um, say to Moni that I think is important, and you touched on a little bit the diversity of the people that you have owning your franchise. Um, Franchising in and of itself is such a great model, and I'm sure that it is with your um, with your um, platform as well. Because if you have a strong franchisor, just as you said, whether you're a homemaker, whether you come out of tech, whether you're coming 
out of the restaurant industry, right? It's, you have to have that passion and you have to be willing to go out and take a chance and work hard. But just because it's STEM for kids doesn't mean that you need to come from a teaching background. It doesn't mean that you need to be a chemist or an engineer, you know? And I think that's the great thing about franchising. So for people out there who are really considering a second career, stepping back a bit and spending more time with their kids, I mean, that's what drove me to look for a franchise. I think it's great. Yeah, very well said. Yep, yep. I, 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 th I can see where this could be a really big hit because a lot of people go into the teaching uh, end of things because simply the fact is when you see that light bulb go off in someone, and especially a child, when you show them something and they go, wow, that is really cool. You know, I can see it definitely selling. You know, there, there's no... You, you probably don't have to do much selling at all once you start explaining your franchise. But that, that leads me into what is all involved with the franchise? And it's going to be a physical place where, where people go to learn, but you also mentioned going into schools. How, how does that work? Yeah, um, great question. So um, that one of the unique thing about our model is that um, we are not, we do not mandate a space. So a franchisee does not need to have a lease at 24-7 storefront. That's not a requirement. So if I can take an analogy with the, it's almost like an Uber-like model. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to have a fleet of your own cars or have your own car, you know. You basically are, uh, uh, we are creating collaboration with people or mm -hmm. businesses who already have the car. And you say, okay, you know, let's use the car for an hour and offer our programs are used for two hours and so on and so forth. It's a very, uh, it's a great model because unlike some of the other franchise concepts where, you know, you're given a pet when you say, okay, go open a center here and you are almost constrained by geography, distances, how much, how much people are going to travel to come to your center. In our case, what we say is, here's a territory, go open as many as you want within that territory. And what people are able to do, what our franchises do is that they will, uh, partners collaborate with community centers, uh, multiple schools, um, you know, they could collaborate with maybe a, a, a dance studio, uh, any other possibilities like that, and be able to offer your program in different parts of that territory. Mm -hmm. So you're really trying to maximize the potential of that market. So, um, so that's how this model works. And the other side effect of that is that it's a low-cost entry, right? You're not dealing with yeah. fixed leases um, and things like that. So, um, and that's something we actually find that most of our franchises uh, love that flexibility, being able to offer these programs from so many different uh, locations. And that actually is also something that even, if you think about the biggest aggregator of children, our customers, are the schools. And they love that too. Right, because now our programs can go into the school setting, almost like you bring the program to the mall, right? Yeah. And the, and they are getting served right there as opposed to the parents figuring out, oh, I need to pick up my child from this school, take them to this center and so so forth. It becomes a convenient aspect for uh, our customers as well. That's awesome. So what does it take to get involved in your franchise? In other words, what are your requirements of a potential owner of your franchise? Yeah, um, uh, you know, go, going back to what Kristen was describing, that passion, that, that piece is really important because at the end of the day, people don't wake up saying, I'm going to, you know, educate children, right? Just like people don't say, I'm going to go clean toilets, right? There's something different, there's, there's something that's driving that, that you know, um, 
uh, people who are looking to build a business, um, I always encourage people saying, you know, don't think about you doing it yourself. You have to be able to hire people, build an organization, which is that's the way you grow. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, the background can vary. It's that, uh, that, uh, that passion, the learning agility that we look for in, our, um, in the franchisees, as well as the, uh, you know, having some uh, experience, uh, whether being involved with schools or PTAs, or in a corporate setting, you know, being able to do business, sales, marketing, and with any new business, you need some of those skill sets to be able to, um, you know, position a new uh, new business. Uh, the technical side is something that we, you know, we do train once the people are hired, the instructional staff, and we call them STEM coaches, by the way. So STEM coaches as franchises hire them, we provide training um, on all those technical topics so that they are ready to go and conduct these programs. Um, Sorry, you'll have to start. You'll have to start the answer over there because you said the word marketing earlier. So we had to give you a round of applause, and Ray did not give time for the question to be asked to get the round of applause for you saying the word marketing. Sorry. The rituals must be enforced on our second anniversary. So, please start the answer again because you were getting you were drowned out by the applause you were getting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. What does it take? Uh, you know, what does a, a potential uh, buyer of your franchise? What does he need to bring to the, to the table uh, in both in franchise fees and uh, what he has in return? Yeah, so um, our, our single territory uh, initial franchise fee is only 12500 And with one territory, you know, franchises can begin for under $20,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we typically see is um, most of our franchises actually are multi-territory owners. So they will add on more territories just to kind of have a bigger hold on the market. So if, you, if, if they did start, they can, you know, you can, of course, go, go up uh, proportionately. So from an in- initial investment perspective, it's, it's really something that, uh, you know, people can get in and start monetizing uh, the business opportunities. Uh, so that's the, the, the financial side. We already talked about the skill sets and everything. Um, uh, again, I think it's really, it really just comes down to people who bring the right passion, uh, the drive to make a change and, you know, make money, really. You know, you are in the business to make money uh, and while, while you're serving children. What is your longest um, longest serving franchise? The longevity. Not too far from you. Uh, our longest serving franchise actually is in the U.S. the Wisconsin uh, Illinois state line region, uh-huh. um, and she has been with us for four years okay. uh, now. Yeah, and um, doing amazing. Uh, we are just thrilled to have her. Um, and it's, it's just awesome what she has done in the market. Uh, when she began, it was a complete like greenfield setting. You know, we don't when you don't see too much happening from a STEM perspective. That's when she began, and she's been really well. Her, her, she and her organization. That's um, so. Does she yeah. cover the Crystal Lake area? In Crystal Lake, Illinois area. Sorry, I I might know somebody who'd be interested in selfishly. <laughs> Uh, Crystal Lake, I'm I'm not sure if that's all. I think that may be available. I'm not sure, but you can definitely look into that. <laughs> all right. Well, it, that's that's Illinois Wisconsin line. Um, yeah, it's up north. 
northern Illinois. That's why yeah. I asked. I, I actually I used to live up there before, long time ago. Um, and so I remember this today, but I'm not able to visualize if that's in Donna's territory or not. But we can definitely look into that. Let's put it this way: it's snowy and cold there, which is where we are is not. Wait, so you have a mouse in your pocket? No, <laughs> at least two of us on this call, on this uh, call, it is not cold where we are. So there, take that. And now we'll remind uh, callers that they can, or listeners, viewers, wherever you are, you can chat at the website, pillarsoffranchising.com, linklocalnetwork.com, Facebook, YouTube, Restream, Twitch. It is all over the place. All over the place. Um, Or you can dial in at 323-580-5755, and we might put you on the air. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com, or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And for those of you who wonder how successful business people is not going to do it, so... Are you thinking about opening a business? Whether you're in transition from a corporate job, looking to generate investment income, add to your existing business, or just too young to retire, come to the Great American Franchise Expo and explore your options. Meet face-to-face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate, and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions, and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. For free tickets, visit www.franexpousa.com. And folks, uh, the next uh, two events are in Houston, February 22nd and 23rd at Stafford Center, and in Tampa, which sounds even more warm, and that nice little Gulf breeze at the Tampa Convention Center, March 14th and 15th. And we are back. So, oh, one other thing. As Nick said, you can uh, call him up and get a, a copy of the Franchise MBA, which is like under a bunch of wires, but we'll get it there, folks. This year, great book. Um, mine's dog-eared. Uh, so if you fill out the form on Pillars of Franchi- the PillarsOfFranchising.com website, you not only get the free book, but you get a set of free VR gear. So how's that? Virtual reality and a book. Pretty cool, huh? Um, then you can virtually open your own business. <laughs> virtually. Well... I've been looking at how we could do pillars of franchising in uh, virtual reality. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird? Oh, I don't know if you want to go there. <laughs> so, 
um, I'll, I'll take since we were talking about uh, various things about the franchise. Uh, the in my head, the greatest cure known to mankind of the franchise is the franchise. Or sorry, greatest cure known to mankind for insomnia is the franchise disclosure doc. So. <laughs> I know franchisees who never bothered to read it and still bought, but what are the first three things you would recommend a, a potential franchisee read from an FDD just in general? Yeah. Um, I think one of the first questions people always are looking for an answer is how much does it cost to get in? So um, it's the item seven, I think that's the very first one to definitely look at. Um, I am looking at the, the litigation history. I don't remember what item number that is, but I think that is an important one to see. And the third one will be item 19 if it's provided by the, the franchisor because uh, that's telling you about you know how the business is doing overall. But if the franchisor is not providing that, looking at the the financial audited financials of the franchisor again, I don't remember the item number for that. But there are audited financials. Looking at that, and sometimes the footnotes on that give you a lot more intelligence about what's happening in business as well. <laughs> You'll be happy to know that there are several lawyers as well as uh, CPAs that would agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I noticed there was a mention of STEM for Kids Network. What is that, and how can people get involved? Yeah, so when we think about STEM for kids, right, we think about um, all the children that we touch, um, their parents, the educators, the teachers, um, uh, principals, school superintendents, of course, our franchisees, their employees. So that's what, when we, when we think about STEM for kids, think about that, that network. Um, and, uh, you know, um, in terms of how people can get involved overall, uh, the first thing really is uh, if you are a parent, uh, PTA member, you know, and you want a change in your school, uh, let us know. As I mentioned before, we can either bring our services directly in there or if we can't do that, we'll train the teachers so that way, you know, uh, the STEM programs can be offered. Um, if, if you are, uh, you know, a business owner and you're looking to diversify revenue, again, there'll be opportunities here. Um, uh, just because there's so much industry demand for STEM. Um, um, and we have some of our uh, newest franchises actually have come down that route. So maybe you're running a gaming studio or, uh, you know, a, a dance studio. Um, so those will be the opportunities. Um, the other piece I also want to mention is that, you know, if, if you represent a company um, and you you think about, you know, how to uh, how to be more socially responsible, Right, and that's something we hear a lot about these days uh, as a company. Um, our franchises also get involved in helping companies with their CSR initiatives, the corporate social responsibility. We have worked with Boeing and other companies. So if you are thinking about some of those initiatives in your market, uh, working with children, I mean, there can be nothing better than, you know, trying to work with children and doing something good in the community. So again, uh, you know, we'll be happy to help out with uh, some of those CSR initiatives as well uh, for the company. That's a great way to get yourself involved in, in uh, you know, you know, motivating your own children. Exactly. Yeah. Kristen. So, Mo Moni, do your children work in the business now that you've raised them as you began this journey? 
Well, you talk about my children. Uh, they were the inspiration for this whole thing. And my first two, actually, my older two, they are teenagers now. And uh, my son, actually, when he was seven years old, he actually helped me help us write the robotics curriculum that we use in STEM for kids. And it is, it is so amazing. He came to me and said, Mom, can I have a robotics kit? And I was still thinking, oh, it's very pricey. But then he says, if you give it to me, I'll learn how to do it, and I can help you write a curriculum. And I said, sure. And then I actually you know, connected my son with one of our best STEM coaches, and that's how robotics curriculum came into play. So effectively, they have been working in the business ever since. Uh, they have always been our guinea pigs, always. <laughs> uh, we write awesome. something to try them out on them and their friends. Um, so yeah, but now I think as they have grown into teenagers, they are helping in other parts of the business as well. So absolutely, I think it's just uh, it's nice to have that energy coming from their health as well. Excellent. That's cool. <laughs> hmm. Sorry. Is anyone catching an echo? No. No. Okay. Thought I was having trouble. Echo, echo, echo. Okay. <sighs> Time to go down the rabbit hole. That's what I figured. Uh-huh. I'm giving you that opportunity, Fred. Yeah. Um. This seems slightly applicable since we are talking about. Uh, STEM technology, things like that. So, um, <clears throat> how much alien technology in Area 51 do you think has um, influenced STEM education in general? Sorry. <laughs> alien technology, okay. Uh, great question. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure. Things like, you know, virtual reality, uh, looking at uh, what's the rate at which aliens are coming <laughs> flying down from the sky, uh, and, you know, figuring out uh, do, we, do we drill and make a bunker in the, um, under the earth as the aliens attack. I mean, all those things, you know, this technology part to that is causing these challenges. So uh, I'm sure all of that is part of, you know, what we do. And as a matter of fact, as, um, you know, when our scientists go out and, um, uh, teach young children, they are thinking about some of different scenarios, you know. We have children thinking about how do they go to space and maybe even bring alien back home. Or <laughs> maybe there's some technology already that, you know, is being used in Area 51 that they can make it, you know, main scale and bring a new business opportunity, a new product out there and make it a mass scale opportunity, you know. And uh, what, do and they do? what do they do in the apocalypse, right? <laughs> In an alien apocalypse, where do I go? What do I do? Maybe they'll be creating those with contraptions, right? That shoot out, shoot, shoot the zombies back up in the sky. Oh, <laughs> no. Yes. Now we've gone to zombie apocalypse. Can't that not different down the down the rabbit hole question? Only one. So we have to stay within <laughs> aliens. How's that not in the rabbit hole? It is, but now we're just we're gonna have to do a whole rabbit hole show now. <laughs> so, Kristen, we've gone down the rabbit hole. You get your last question, and then Ray's going to take his famous last question, and we'll mercifully end our two-year anniversary show. <laughs> All right. 
So as a um, as franchisees or franchisor, do you have a special cause that you support? Obviously, you know, supporting children and all that you do is a very big thing. But do you have any um, other special causes that you support within your businesses? Um, so in basically, you know, helping out children is the biggest thing that we do. Um, and we then help and partner with other, uh, whether it's schools or other organizations, and, uh, you know, the causes that they're working on. We do see a lot of interest in uh, getting more girls into STEM. Uh, we have worked with um, uh, people focusing on bringing more entrepreneurship, education to young children, uh, financial literacy. So it's basically um, any and all, as I mentioned, you know, with the CSR effort that we do, we work with the, uh, the partner we're working with in terms of, uh, you know, supporting some of their causes. But I think it's uh, the children piece that I, that basically keeps us all ticking. I would say that everybody in the network, we're all about serving children. Thank you. So I, I feel this is such an exciting franchise that you're going to get a lot of phone calls. So other than phone calls, which we need, we'd like to have your phone number, our, our listeners would like, how else can we get a hold of you? How can people get a hold of you if they're even a little bit interested in your franchise? Um, the best way would be go on our website, semfricket.net. It's all letters, sem, F-O-R-K-I-D-S.net, slash franchise. You'll see a lot of information there. We actually have... 24-7 uh, um, uh, chatting service live people that are there to help address your questions. And of course, um, uh, you know, um, uh, we'll be happy to then have more one-on-one -on -one discussions with you right after. If you uh, like to call, then um, we have, the number is 866-991-7053. And we'd be happy to um, help you, help find the right match for you and go from here. Excellent. And of course, that information will be on our webpage. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think much of it is already. I'm not sure about the phone oh, number. Oh, all right. Good. So the phone number got to stick on there, but the, the link to the website, yeah, that's all good stuff there. I noticed you said live person, so you, you don't have zombies um, to take it. <laughs> no zombies. <laughs> that's the beginning. <laughs> Now, if we can get them out of politics, never mind. Uh, so I'm Fred McMurray uh, with my co-host, Ray Pillar and Kristen Schmelzi. Ha, did I get it right? No. <laughs> Come on. Now I think it's people so are just... Messy. Ah, I think people are screwing with me just for... for and Moni, Moni saying, you have been amazing. I'm so yes. excited to see your franchise just go crazy. I really, honestly, have enjoyed seeing you today. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. And likewise, it has been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And this, folks, is sometimes the music <laughs> doesn't play, and. Goodbye, folks. We'll be back next weekend. <laughs> Our end credits will actually play. Pillars, 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 pillars of franchising. <laughs>